Okay. Pashat Sav. Let of Purim. Purim. And... Erev Purim and Taina Sester. Halachas tend to do very, very strange twists sometimes. One such strange twist is this year, Taina Sester. The halacha is that the mincha that we daven preceding Purim we treat like Erev Rishchidosh. What says Erev Rishchidosh? Erev Rishchidosh, you don't say Tachnun. Erev Rishchidosh, you don't say any Tachnun, you don't say even if it's Yom Kippur Katan. No, if that's the case, if that's the case, then technically, Tainus Esther, which although on a general Tainus, we say Tachnan in the morning with Slichas, and by Mincha we say Avinu Makenu, Tachnan and Avinu Makenu by Krisotera, Tainus Esther is different. Because Tainus Esther being Erev Purim, and Erev Purim being just like Erev Rishchidosh, so therefore, we don't say Tachnum, we don't say Avinu Makena, Bemincha, even though it's a Tainus. Kum again Purim Shechali is B'yem Aleph, Purim on a Sunday, and therefore, Tainus Esther now is on Thursday. Tainus Esther on Thursday, we do say Tachnun Amincha. We say Tachnun, we say Avinu Makenu, we say everything. It's a whole different creature. Let us therefore analyze Tainus Esther. There are four fasts in the year that the Chacham established. Some Gedalia. Asara B'tevis, Shivas B'tamuz, and Tishibov. Are you going to the bank? No. I want that one off. And all these, if you just reach up, I'll just tighten the bolts, probably. All right. We're, 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 apropos to the situation, we're in the dark. Turn on the other lights. They, they see. Second and third, yeah. That's not me. Okay. So the question is, Manishtana, <coughs> what is different 
Tainus Esther than the other four Tanesim. That the other four Tanesim, should they ever come out on a Shabbos, we don't make them on Friday, on Thursday. We make them on Sunday. A Shab, a Tainus that's not on the actual calendar date that it's supposed to happen that it's supposed to happen is always a nidche a nidche nidche means to push off push off means gets pushed to the day, of, the day after unlike here in the case of Tainus Hester here the case of Tainus Hester the fast is Brought early, it's a magdim. Why? What is different, Tainus Esther, from the other fast? Tainus Esther is not to commemorate a bad story. Shivasabatamas, Sadabatevis. These are fasts, some Gidalia, that happened because something happened of the, in bad history. Therefore, our form of commemorating this faithful, faithful day, unfaithful, faithful day, we fast. Masha'en king, Tainus Esther. Tainus Esther is a day for tefillah. Tainus Esther just for a day of tefillahs and tachanunim and tshuva. Tainus Esther is based on Esther HaMalka telling the Yidin, telling Mordechai, Knez Kalai Yehudim, Vitzuma Eli, take the Yidin together and fast for me. The Shnav Sarad, Lesman the Palga, it's definitely that is the reason that we've fasted now, and that's why it's called Tainus Esther. I'll shame Esther, who was not able to fast. The fast at the time that they decreed the fast, was so severe, as we said last week, that one of the days, the third day, was on the first day Pesach. And the matzah was so severe that they overrode the mitzvah, same in Atera, of eating matzah, and they fasted. Because as it was like Esther. Therefore, Tainus Esther has a different, takes on this different halacha, which is that it doesn't become mucha, it doesn't become a deicha, but rather becomes a magdim, a mugdim. I had a few, I had to go speak in several places this week. Shabbos means Baruch Bekuli Yemen. Shabbos benches all the days of the week. The bench is all the days of the week, and therefore it's connected directly to the Shabbos before, with the week afterwards. As we see Shabbos and Varachim, the Shabbos bench is the whole month. And we're going to talk soon about the connection between Bashat Tzav and Purim Taker. This week, though, is marred. There's a black mark, a black cloud hovering over this week. From our past Shabbos, from the Serifik Unglik Nebuch, the Fogel family in Itamar, there's no words. 
There's no words. If you take out the um, punctuation marks of what our Prime Minister of Israel told the children, then you'll hear the Prime Minister of Israel tell the children, Anachnu Tipshim. The punctuation mark actually was a question mark. He asked them, Anachnu Tipshim? Or he told them, Anachnu Tipshim? Whatever. At the end of the day, Anachnu Tipshim. Because this fool did this once before when he took down took down houses near Hebron and shall have it paid the price and immediately after doing now grazing land of taking down houses here he didn't take long and he paid the price again why? pressure pressure, pressure, pressure wonderful world of Skype can only happen if you have a computer and the computer has to have a webcam and you can wave to all the people, and they, Baruch Shem, are very unbrave, and they don't put their webcams on, but they listen, they see me. Nebuch. I should put also the face of somebody important. You work on the computer, you work in Microsoft Word, when you do something, you put in a sentence, and you don't like that sentence. You do. Or all of a sudden the sentence got erased. And you want to put the sentence back in. There's a little button on top that says redo. If you say something once, you say it a second time and a third time, you repeat. When you want to add and to build, the prefix is R-E, to re. Reread it, repeat it, redo it. Rebuild it. Re is the positive of toys to do something over again. When you want to, you put in a sentence, you put in a picture, and you want the picture out of that text, there's a little arrow on top of the page that says undo. You want to take off a mark, any marking from a car. You take off all the marks, called an unmarked car. You want anything you want to take apart, you want to destroy, you want to take o- take out. The prefix is un. What does that tell us? When we talk about un, we know that we're in trouble. Someone said, if pro means going, we go for something, and con means against it. Does that mean Congress is against progress? Could be. Pasha Tzav. The word Tzav, as we spoke in Pasha Tzav, is derived from the word Tzav Sevachibur, to attach, to connect. Purim, we said from this week, Purim and Tzav come one after the other. Tzav is Erev Purim. On Motzah Shabbos Tzav, we're already celebrating Purim. Although, Apialoche, if the Shalashidis goes late, 
if you continue Shalashiris late into the night, you won't say Valenism uh, and benching. Interesting halacha to note for those of us that uh, indulge in Shalashiris. Um, the only trivial, trivial problem with the Shalashiris is going so late is there is a custom, a shtikol halacha, that on the night of Kriyas Megillah, we should also have a shtikol suda. <coughs> this year, you have to eat extra, because you have the suda's David Malka Meshicha, Lava Malka, and you have to have the little suda for Purim. So you can come here and see what we have. <laughs> We'll be reading Mitch in the Megillah, hopefully Matzah Shabbos, every hour. Or every group that comes in. And Sunday, throughout the course of the day, you can check in when is the next reading. No, Megillah cannot be Yetzir by listening over Skype. Nor the phone. So let us go back to the point here of Tzav and Purim the wonderful connection between the two. What connection can there possibly be between Tzav and Purim? Tzav is, as we said, Tzav Sevachibar, connecting, and Purim is the, the whole mitzvah of Purim is Moche Emcha Zechra Molik. This Shabbos is also known as Pasha Zocher, to commemorate, to remember. Anybody living in Crown Heights that once you could look up local listings of your shuls in local area to see when the women come into shul to hear an earlier reading for Pasha Zacher. To hearing the reading of Pasha Zacher's Midaraisa. And therefore it's appropriate, it's not appropriate, it's necessary, it's obligation. Every woman and child, of course men, to hear the reading of Pasha Zacher. In 770 there's going to be a minion. I believe the meeting for Kriya itself is going to start about 20 to 9. And on the Bima in 770 at 9 o'clock, there will be a reading for ladies, just the Maftir Pasha Zacher. So the women can come in here. Women with babies, they can leave with the babysitter. Or the husbands can watch the babies so the wife can go to Shul to hear Pasha Zacher. And they'll give the husband time to get back from home, back for, to Shul in time. Pasha Zacher, the name of the game, as we say, Mocha Yemcha Zecher Amalek, or Zecher Amalek. This Pasuk, Mocha Yemcha Zecher Amalek, is found twice in the Torah. And we read them now, one day after the other, two consecutive days. On Shabbos, we're going to read from Kiseite, Pasha Zacher, and on Purim Day, we read Vayave Amalek. From Pasha B'Shalach. Purim Day, we'll get back to, because we're going off to a tangent, we're not getting to the actual point of what we want to say. Pasha's Tzav, therefore, is Tzav Sevachibar, but Purim is to eradicate, to wipe out, to destroy the Metzias of Haman. To destroy the Messias of Amalek. 
before destroying the enemy, you got to know who the enemy is. Sometimes you go out to fight with your shadow, and you don't get anywhere. So here you got to know what the enemy, who the enemy is. But in us, in essence, the message of Purim and Zacher is to destroy Amalek, to wipe out something, and Lashon Tzav is to bring everything together. So Viga Fitman, how do these two work together? There was a Holocaust survivor. His name was Oscar Liff. Before the war, his parents' name was Lipschitz. Lipschitz. But of course he became Americanized and he called himself Liff. He was born in Warsaw, in Warsaw, Poland, in the late 1920s. A traditionally Jewish family, nothing... Uh, over the over the moon religious, and the people that were traditionally Jewish lived a proper life. They had tried to be a little more aristocratic. Being aristocratic, when the Germans started to come into the, town, the country to Poland, they were happy because they felt that they're going to now bring aristocracy to the boorish Polish. Polish people were pushed burim. They were nothings. They were low lives. And Oscar's family was of that belief as well. They also felt that this is exactly what they wanted to do. Oscar had a different feeling and a different turn to this. He didn't trust the Germans. And so, although Oscar's family was was in with the Egyptians, Oscar felt it was time to go to war. And he joined the Polish underground, and he fought tooth and nail. His father died a little short time later of a heart attack. He was one day on the roof of his own building when the Germans pulled out his mother, his, his sister and her brother, and shot them in the courtyard. And then the mother and other sisters were taken off to Auschwitz. The Germans' normal way of doing things. Oscar ultimately stuck around. Because he was with the underground, he lived and survived. Didn't look very Jewish, so the Polish underground was happy to have him. They didn't know he wasn't Jewish, that he was Jewish. When the Russians came in and invaded Germany, Oscar joined their forces and fought and killed as many Germans as he could out of revenge, more than out of patriotism. And ultimately he was there to liberate Auschwitz. And when he liberated Auschwitz, we know the picture. We know what he saw in Abach. But from all these skeletons that are walking around, his mother and his sisters were not to be found. He split out. Nobody was looking for him. Nobody needed him in the army anymore. And he took off to one border after another border. Another border ended up on a boat going to America and arrived in America in the wonderful sunny state of California. Moved to Los Angeles. 
changed his name to Lef instead of Lifshitz, spoke English, threw himself into business. He had a hard time falling asleep at night, but by day he acted like a totally assimilated person that nobody knew was even Jewish. One evening, in order to fall asleep, the best bet was to turn on the TV and to watch the TV until he fell asleep. One evening he's watching TV, and the Rebbe helped him, and this rabbi comes up on the screen. Rabbi with a white beard, and he's talking Yiddish. And he's thinking to himself, what kind of Mishigoyim want to watch this? Why would this be on television? But there's words in English, the translation, what he's saying is going across the screen. And he reached to turn it off, something's wrong, he couldn't do it. Wanted to change the channel. It's before the remotes. Something about this rabbi was smodna. Must have something to say if people are watching this. And he finally leaned over to turn it off, and as he was about to turn it off, the rabbi said, and he saw on the screen, any Jew after the war that runs from Judaism is giving a prize to Hitler. Ask him, watch these words go across the screen. And he continued, the Germans tried to destroy the Jewish people. Our best revenge to the Germans is to strengthen and continue Judaism. Straight, the, the rabbi is talking directly to him, Nebuch. He saw this, he didn't know where to go, what to do, where to turn. He saw a phone number on the bottom. He dialed the number, and the very next day, he found himself in Chabad of Westwood. And he met with the rabbi, and they spoke, and they spoke of his lighter, and they went back and forth. And when he left, first thing he did after leaving Chabad, made a phone call to a printer, and then he reprinted his business cards, now read Lifshitz. He ordered his own pair of twilim, which he hadn't had since his bar mitzvah. He was determined, as the Rebbe told him, to defeat Hitler, not to give in to him. Another similar Pachaja story happened recently. A Balchuvi yeshiva opened up in the leftist area of Tel Aviv, in a place known as Ramat Aviv. Not very, very religious neighborhood. It was yeshiva Balchuvi. And the people started falling in, they started to appreciate what was going on there. However, there were two little political parties that were not very happy. Meretz and Shinui. These two declared war on this part. The assistant mayor of Tel Aviv was a member of Meretz. He went to the owner of the building and he said, Listen here, I'll give you a plot of land worth a million dollars for free. Get the datim out of here. The dosim. Get them out. 
at the time, he was so proud of what he was offering, he even told the manager of the yeshiva, Rabbi Yair Kahana. What he didn't know is Rabbi Kahana was walking over the tape recorder. Rabbi Kahana was about to go public with this wonderful declaration. He realized this is not the way Chabad. So he wrote a letter to the Rebbe, and he put it into the Igris Kedish of the Rebbe, one of the Rebbe's letters. And he opened up the book and he got an answer. The Rebbe wrote to someone that was in the middle of a tremendous argument with somebody. And the Rebbe says, In such cases, it's certainly not worthwhile to make war, but rather friendliness and brotherly love would melt all the opposition like wax. The Rebbe wrote. Two days later, the the assistant mayor was fired from his post because of some discrepancy in his businesses that he was doing. And out of frustration, got on a plane to go to Russia. On the plane was a Rabbi Menachem Shigalov, and they met up together. They became good friends. And he got this deputy mayor to come to Chabad for Shabbos, for spend some time with them to come for Shabbos. And he took a little different attitude. Now came Shinui. They had to set up something to, to fight this. Shinui is a little more radical than Meretz. They went and got a bunch of Russian hooligans. Unfortunately, there are many, many Russians in Israel, even Jews, that are not employed. And they told them, we paid them well, they got a bus, they gave them Shinui shirts, and posters, and they brought them to the yeshiva, and they figured they'll stand outside and protest, they'll get the neighbors to join them, and the neighbors will join them, and they make a tumult, enough of a tumult, the media will take to it, then the yeshiva will have to close. <laughs> we all know though, you can't fight them, join them. One of the bachram in the yeshiva, did something very strange. He <laughs> found an extra Shinoi t-shirt. And he put it on. And he went out to march with them. He was also Russian, actually. After a minute or two, he yelled out in Russian, Komraden, Vechere. Time to eat. No. They saw him wearing the t-shirt. Umishalano, he's one of us. So they said, good. Vechire, vechire, we go eat. Where are we going to eat? Come. Tishiva. <laughs> Took them all down to the Yeshiva lunchroom. And they started fabreging. And they fabreging, and they're sitting and drinking and talking and laughing. They got some of the guys to put on tefillin. The Russians don't know different. They have no vendetta, nothing personal here. The guys are putting on tefillin. And ultimately the Shinui people come and they see the protesters in Arata. They just pay these guys. 
they ask where are they? They said they're inside the lunchroom eating lunch. They come inside, they see the guys are eating tefillin, they're all lined up. A Malik took a took, took a, a bang on the head. So how do we ultimately defeat Amalek with this? The defeat that we take to Amalek, the approach that we have to take, is the Amalek from within. Amalek is Gematria Suffolk. Amalek is the same numerical value as the word Suffolk. We all have that little Amalek within us. And the Rabbi explains, in order to fight the Amalek on the outside, First, we have to fight the Amalek within us. When we fight the Amalek within us and destroy him, with our Yetzirah destroying him, the Yetzirah doesn't know anything that's bad. He's called a Yetzirah He only can do good. Im came. If he could only do good, so then what's the, uh, what's the approach? How does he kill the Yetzirah? He kills the Yetzirah with goodness, with kindness. He kills the Yetzirah by winning him over. Now, Tereb explains in Tanya that the person has to bring the person back in with him. And this is therefore the Tzav, the lesson of Pasha Tzav, of uniting and of taking the Amalek and uniting him. And we find this also in the Pasha in another way. The Pasha is read from the Torah with tombs which are conducted by the Trap, the cancellations that are on each letter. The Mapach, the Pashta, the Zakev Katon, Zakev Kadol, Ravi. There is also a Trap which is only used four times in the Teda, and that's the Shalshelas. The Shalshelas is a puzzle that goes two and a half times, or three and a half times. One of the words that the Shalshelas is placed on is in our Parsha, on the word Vayishchot, and he will slaughter. One of the prior words Prior to this, we have Vayis Mahamor. He held him back. Vayimar, he told him. Vayimoin, and he refrained. And now Vayishchot. What are the common denominator between these four words? The common denominator between these four words is very interesting. The Gemara tells us if one has an, a debate, one has a clash with the Yetzirah, he should sit and learn Torah. Sit and daven. He should say Shema. If he still hangs around the Yetzirah, is the Yitzhara still disturbing? He should remind him of Yom Moisei, the day of his death. <laughs> the Yitzhara doubles in a different job as the Malachim So what would 
the day of his death, deter the Yitzhahara from attacking you. You're trying to get the Yitzhahara away by learning, by saying Shema, whatever. So therefore, how is it by saying about the day of death does the Yitzhahara get turned off from doing what he's doing? Zakhmina, we're not talking about the day of death of the person dying. We're talking about the day of death in the in the Haggadah. In the Haggadah, in Chabad, we don't have this part in Yitzah, but everywhere in the world they sing the song of Chadgadja. In the Chadgadja, it ends off long came the Avishta, God Almighty comes and slaughters the Malachamavas. So therefore Yom Moisai actually in essence refers to the day that the Malachamavas is going to die. Um, we're just going to try to redial out on Skype so if you hold on over there folks we're going to do it again. So this is therefore how the four parts fall into place. If Yitzhahara comes by Yismamo, you sit and learn Tera. You sit and say Shema, Vayimar, you say Shema. Vayimo'en, if the Yitzhahara still sticks around, the Yitzhahara still stands to make problems. Shema, Excuse me. You say Shema. And then ultimately, Vayishchot. You tell them that it's going to be Asa, Kaddish, Baruch Hu, Vishechat, Mashalchat, Malach, Mavis. That the Malach, Mavis is going to be Shechted. You're going to end up in the slaughter. And that is therefore the warning. And that is the connection of the Shalshalas, the four times the Shalshalas, which again brings us to the same theme of Tzav and Purim, the wiping out and the destruction to eradicate, see, for that we use the word eradicate, the, <laughs> yeah, this is one of the ongoing lines of the shir, you have to mention that, if you don't mention that, it's just not the same. They tell the story of Chachafegin. Chachafegin was a chassid who was literally Moshe Nefesh for Yiddishkeit. And he was sitting and learning in a cave. Chassidim. They were sitting and learning. And there are two people outside on the lookout. Suddenly, one of the people on the lookout came running in. Thank you for that. KGB, whatever you want to call them. This boy started to get very nervous. Started getting very nervous. 
One group of boys said, let's run away. One group of boys said, well, it's not nice. One group said, run away. One group said, let's go hide in the, in the cellar down below. Sub-cellar. And one said, we have science books here. Stay out of the science books. But they all felt to an action, something to do action. Till they came to a decision of what they're going to think of doing, the other watchman came down and said, false alarm. They went elsewhere. Okay. So Chachafegin asked, and this is on this week's Hayyem Yem, Tev, Maise, Melef Hanachas, one action is worth more than a thousand moans, Krechtsen. He says, how come when you see a mitzvah that you didn't do, or you see something Ruchnius that didn't happen, you go, ay, you got Krechts. When it comes to your bodily harm, when it comes to your physical problem, oh, you start falling into action. You start thinking, you start manipulating, you start working on how do I save ourselves, how do we work on it to save, to be saved, to come out of this alive. This spiritual destruction doesn't disturb you. The physical destruction, oh, you go crazy for it. This is the Aveda that a person has. And the Abish is very, very careful on how the person fulfills it. The Abish is very sensitive to people's issues. There are several Karbanas spoken about in this parasha. The Karban Oila, Karm Chatos, Karm Tamid, Karm Teida. The Basik tells us the Eila and the Chatos were slaughtered in the same place. The Eila, somebody felt they wanted to bring a carbon, they brought an Eila. The entire carbon was burnt. The person brought a Shlamim. There were parts that he ate that he served to others, to Kahanim. The oil was totally consumed on the Mizbeach. But it was because uh, I decided to bring a karm. The Khatas in turn was brought because a person did Rachman al-Tzan Naveda. If before the per- if the person did naveda, person sinned, and now he's bringing a karm chatas to repent for that, and he comes to the section where chatas is brought, everybody sees him and knows. Oh, he did naveda many, many, many years ago, fifty years ago, plus. There's a fellow named Art Linkletter. You can still find his encyclopedia for children. Art Linkletter's encyclopedia for children. 
He had a children's show. Don't ask me how I know. As a child, I did not have a television or access to one, so I definitely was not sitting watching out the Um But the audience was basically children with their parents. Apparently, it was one time, middle of the show, one of the children needed to use the little boy's room. So the mother gets up from the seat and starts to walk with the child, and they have to walk past where Art Linkletter was standing, because he used to come to the middle of the audience. And they walk past him, and he says to the child, he says, I know where you're going. The child was a little child, didn't get traumatically uh, disturbed. I don't think I ever saw the article of the law case of the child suing Art Linkletter for the defamation when he wanted to desiccate defamation for desiccation okay definitely that's, that's going to be the next article we're going to write in the Jewish press um, but the fact is that the person looking and knowing that a person is being a karmakata somebody say aha what have did he do now now, the fact is that when a person talks wrong, such as Lashon Hara, it destroys three people. The person that says it, the person that hears it, the person that it's said about. The person that says it, I understand. The person that hears it, I semi-understand. What are you listening for? Could have said, no. Like Tuki and Kiwi. Close your ears and scream, No, 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 no. Don't talk Lush and her, don't. Or, but the person that it's said about, was literally. Befrat, if it's not even true. When it's not even true, then how can you... I told the story before that in Marstown, when we then studied Marstown for two years, the Rashiva of 770, the came to test us. And as in Zechus, I think Baba Basra, I believe, the Mentlik has a sefer called Imre Marachai. So we studied Imre Marachai. Instead of opening the Gemara, we learned Imre Marachai. Because we knew the questions that he would ask would be on his sefer. Um, he asked a question that was seemingly a very straightforward question and the Bacha he asked it to heard the question and that was straight out of the Gemara so he started to answer from the Gemara and then the neighbor of the boy gave him a poke and said it's right here in the Mordechai oh no because nobody wants to get an imperfect mark and Befrat here, we had the master plan of doing Imre Malachai something. Everybody's going to get a Metsuyan. He says, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, that's not what I mean. And he started to, he wanted to start saying what was written in Imre Malachai. And Mantlik was relentless. Vosigivan dein hava amin. 
only want to know what were you thinking? What did you want to say? What was your first instinct? So, in turn, when a person is spoken Lashon Hara about, he put himself into the predicament. He allowed himself in somehow, somewhere, that this story that the person is trying to say about him could have some kind of tangency to it. Tangibility. And that's going to kill me on that one. And therefore, by making the chatos in one designated area, you're going to cause people to stir up. The Eid and the Chattas are slaughtered in the same place. So when someone sees someone going to the designated area for Karbanas, they don't know if the person is bringing an Eid or the person is bringing a Chattas. Interestingly, we find towards the end of the Pasha a very wonderful compliment. The last Pasha of the Pasha. Beautiful compliment. Vayas Arenu Vano of Aren and his children did a skoladvarim ashitiva shembiad mesha. Everything that God told them. And Rashi, who is concerned with the Bechomish the Mikra, who is worried what the Bechomish the Mikra is going to say, the five year old child learning Chomish, has to understand what each thing says, found a question in this Pasuk. It's black on white. They did whatever they were told. To say their praises, they didn't turn right or left. First of all, why would they? Like, like the question, you know, the common practice question, what were you thinking? Why would a, a person get commanded from God something and turn right or left? Sway? Unfortunately, we see that today very often, very commonplace, that we are presented with something to do and we yeah, cut corners, deviate. If Rashi wants to say, that they did it perfectly, then Rashi could simply have said the words, Shvachan shal Aaron. To say the Shvach. Why is the Pasuk saying, Vayas Aaron of one of his Kadarmela? The Bechamish the Mikra has the question, why is he doing that? Why is the Pasuk telling us to us? So Rashi could answer the Bechamish the Mikra, Prasnam Pasha, to tell you that they had. It was they were praiseworthy for doing this. What is the addition? They didn't turn right or left on this. What's <laughs> if you ever tried to be a Gabay Rashul, you will learn one of the extremely difficult things is getting somebody to dab for the Ahmed. Those who, unfortunately, those who can't, you try to avoid asking. But they're always there ready to do it for you. <laughs> I hope that didn't fall into the ghetto of Lashon Hara. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, but those who can have their noses up in the air and their heads back. So when you come and ask them, the first time is for nah, not in the mood. And they're anticipating that you're going to be back. Well, they're anticipating because that very moment you're going to keep bothering them, keep pestering, and keep begging them to go over. Zaktan's Rashid, the Mechamish, the Mikra, was brilliant. And he said, Vayas Mesha, Vayas Arin Abanav, they did what they were told. So Mechamish, the Mikra asks, according to the Lashon, it means they ultimately did what they were told. Aaron and his sons did everything that God commanded through Moshe. The Chamesh Mikra wants to know, did they do it on the first time? Did they do it to begin with, the first time they were told, they went and did it? Or, eventually they got around to doing it? And Aaron, as the king Godel, being told to do something, could have said, I don't know if this passed for me to do. I don't know if this is a... It might be beneath my dignity, below my dignity to do this. I, I, I'm going to have to uh, hesitate to want to... You know, it's not going into the Holy of Holies. And then uh, they tell a second time, and a third time, okay, I guess it's important, I guess I'll do it myself. Zaktatayna, no. Rashi explains not what happened. They didn't go like this. They didn't turn their heads right and left. They didn't say the first time, eh, ask me again. They didn't shake their heads to say, don't walk away from here, I'm going to do it, because I like it. They hit the Yamanasmer, they didn't move their heads right or left. They were told to do, they did it immediately. And this is the shvach, and this is therefore the shvach that we tell the Mechamesh the Mikra. The Mechamesh the Mikra is told you have to have this Kabbalah's oil. The Kabbalah's oil that says, I'll do it as soon as I'm told. Wow. Matzah Shabbos is Purim. Um. Most shuls give a break in between Megillah and Maidiv so that people have time to get their Megillah from the house or bring their whatever Megillah or other, other paraphernalia. It's of course commendable to try to deter people from bringing the other paraphernalia. I mean, there were extent that people were bringing starting guns, you know, the guns they used to start a race. As soon as they said, Haman, boom! Well, they have these horns, these air horns that people get to go off. Um, I don't know if we say this online, on air. I had occasion, one of, the, I, one of the places that I go to read Megillah on Purim, unfortunately on Sunday they don't open their office, so nobody's going to be there. But the, off, the room that we use, one of the offices, one of the buildings, is right connected to the president, the CEO of the company. And the CEO of the company 
sometimes can be a little bit off color. And he had this noisemaker that uh, imitates the sound of somebody passing wind. And he opened the door while reading the Megillah. He's from, so he already went to shul. But every time I said Haman, he went... <laughs> and it was pretty nasty. And then the people, though, I guess, feel he's a little bit of a tyrant. And the people didn't dare not to laugh. So Matzah Shabbos, the person, the people are given time to go home, to get their Megillahs, to get their noisemakers, and to come back to Shul. If a person decides to wait till his man, which is approximately 7.47, 7.49, on Matzah Shabbos, then the person should say, Baruch prior to walking out with his Megillah. If a person wants to practice the reading of the Megillah from his Megillah on Shabbos in a place, for example, like we have here with no Erev then technically he would be allowed to if he puts away the, the Megillah before Shabbos and says, I'm going to study from this on Shabbos um, also because if the person is not a scribe, not a sefer and would not fix anything in the middle then he would also be allowed to. If the person that was a scribe, the person had an Erev, where he can apt to carry out the Megillah in the middle, then the person is not allowed to do that on Shabbos. You may prepare, it's not a Hanum Shabbos Lechel, you may prepare the Kriya by looking into a Chumash and reading it from a Chumash. Uh, after Maidiv is Megillah, and then after Megillah is, is um, Havdalah. As we said, tomorrow is a fast. The fast starts at approximately 5.43. According to Al Rebbe, it's 43 minutes, 45 minutes usually before that. So therefore, according to Al Rebbe, one should stop eating about 5 o'clock. If one is going to eat before the fast, before going to sleep tonight, the person has to make a condition that I'm going to get up to eat before the fast. I've heard from many people that it only makes you more hungry. I can't tell you from experience, I've never done it. I'm not a coffee drinker, so I'm not addicted to coffee. Not desperately in the morning, desperate for my coffee, so I don't have that problem either. Um, the fast ends, I believe, at 7.31. Although it says Kachavim is like 7.46, 7.47. I don't know how that works. It's a certain amount of time after Shkia, apparently. And this is all I believe here in Brooklyn. 11213. If you have a different zip code, you should perhaps look it up and find out exactly your man, what time and where and when. Myzmanim.com, Chabad.org. Should they all have this manim of when your fast will start, when your fast will finish? Since the fast is on a weekday beforehand, Thursday prior to Shabbos, we will in Baimincha say Tachnun and Avinu Malkeinu. Although we don't use it, as we said before, Machza Shekel is given tomorrow.
many Chabadists to give it before Mincha. If a person didn't give it tomorrow, they can give it on Purim. The Derech of Machzah Shekel is three half coins. To give three half coins of half dollars. They should be silver though, so the person makes sure that their value is fully the half dollar value. Um, and generally when you come to Shul the Gabayim or many many people collecting for Tzedakas have the silver coins waiting and you can redeem them there in commemoration of the half shekel in the Besamidash. the main thing is that the fast should not have to be a fast And uh, we should um, go from here to the simcha, the happiness of the main simcha, simcha mitzvah of the shiatz king.